Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 99. It feels like it's been a while since we talked last. Uh, I guess it has been a while, but we're back. It's just me and Azil today, and we're recording an impromptu podcast in part to celebrate the work that we recently unveiled, which is the new Skullnet.net forum. We've yeah. Been, yeah. It looks really good. I'm really happy with how it turned out. We've been working on that most of the week. I always knew it would be kind of a time sink. That being said, I felt like we did it on target. I know I said we'd be back on Friday, and we were back on Friday. So uh, that's pretty awesome, considering all the work that was involved there. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to scalling.net slash forum. You know what the hell it is. Go check it out. Uh, it's a whole new forum software. It involved us backing up our existing database, which, of course, we did all the time anyway, and converting that to a whole new form software. And when I say that, I'm, I'm underlining that because what's interesting about Scalene.net is that it's been on the same type of form software since 2001, dating back to what's called uh, yet another bulletin board. It's called YABB is what Scalene.net launched on. That was in 2001. And then that team migrated over into what's called Simple Machines Forum. That's still technically alive. And we were on that as or as recently as this past Monday, but we decided to switch over to uh, a service called Zenforo, which is a more professional-based forum software. It's so professional, they ask for money. Can you believe it? <laughs> so we were running on free software all along. And when I looked at a couple other uh, forums, in particular Reset Era, what their forums looked like and all the mobility features and just ease of use and usability features. I was just so impressed. I was like, fuck it, we're paying for it. Let's do it. So uh, took the plunge. And over the past few days, me and Azil have been migrating and optimizing and bringing that whole thing to life. So uh, it turned out really well. Azil, any, any thoughts yeah. on the, the move, the big change? No, I'm just glad uh, we got it done because we've been talking about it for years, several years. <laughs> yeah, let's be honest, it's the same as uh, every other thing uh, we've been doing. It took a while to get going, and um, yeah, we we did, you know I, I feel like in any case we would have we would have moved to uh, you know a paying solution, some things that's you know professionally maintained because the problem with uh, free software is uh, you know like what happened with SMF when the key guy goes away because he's got other stuff to do where the project kind of dies down. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it wasn't a single envision what we uh, considered like several years ago. I don't even remember. Uh, Honestly, yeah, I, forgot. I don't remember. I, I, I forgot the name as well. I'm not sure that there was that. But, yeah, in any case, I'm, I'm also glad uh, we got it going and I'm, I'm really happy with what we, we got done. So, yeah. I feel like it's a, it's a new beginning. So, one of the bigger things that's changed is in – the world kind of moved on after Simple Machines Forum, kind of their development stopped. And one of the bigger problems with that forum is it's optimized for desktops. And, you know, I, th I thought the old Skullnet, it looked fine for desktop. If you're on your phone, though, like everybody else in the entire world over the past decade, it was trash. It was, it's trash to have to navigate and hunt and, hunt and click that tiny little reply button, hunt and click that tiny little. It was really a pain to compose posts in mobile. And I was totally cognizant of that. There was just no easy switch I could flip to make it more mobile friendly. And I looked at mods, I looked at different templates that would work for SMF, and none of them made as much sense as just switching to a whole new software 
with what's optimized for responsive design. So that's to me the biggest shift. Like I really like the logo. I put a lot of work into making that logo pop. But yeah, I mean, the software, (laughs) the mobile part is by far the biggest part. So I hope that anybody that was maybe on the fence about posting when they're away from their desktop, you know, this gives them an opportunity to actually chime in with a a reply or a thread when they wouldn't otherwise because of the usability problems of the old software. So I Mm -hmm. hope that helps. Yeah, it also has a lot uh, of integration options, you know, sharing options for social media, that kind of stuff, which the old software did not uh, have because these things did not exist when it was created. Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) It's just, yeah. The software didn't grow with the time, which is the most frustrating um, part of it, I think, to me. It was they didn't bother to make it user-friendly for people that were Mm. obviously on cell phones. Yeah, and I mean, beyond that, even the... Like on the more technical side, the version of PHP it used uh, was just, you know, uh, how to say, ancient and yeah. not maintained anymore. So lots of lots of things that, you know, made it clear now was the time to make this move. And uh, I'm glad we did it. Yeah. If you see anything you like or don't like, post in the thread that we have going right now, the one that announces the lockdown on the site that's the kind of the running thread about this stuff so if you like something let us know if you don't like something you want to see it change let us know we will consult on if it's feasible or not that's another thing is you know this is a forum software we can make modifications to it we can add new features uh, as long as we have the capability of doing that so um what you see right now might change might be enhanced over the next couple of years pro- probably will uh, i'd like to add a dark theme which is a pretty standard thing on Zenforo sites is right now we have a light theme and at the very bottom, you'll ultimately be able to click a little button at the footer of the site that'll switch to a dark theme. Basically, instead of black text on white, it'd be uh, white text on black just to, you know, make this easier in the eyes. So, yeah, I think the dark theme can be done by the end of the week. Like, no, don't say that. <laughs> no, I think it can be. I think it can be done quite easily. But okay. we'll see. We'll see. Well, the reason I say don't say that is because, like, I, you and you know just as well as I did that you and I have been working on this fucking nonstop since basically Monday. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm taking a break, uh, and then good transition point. I'm switching right into getting podcast 100 done and live. So I expect that to be done by next weekend. So look for that next weekend. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> Um, so this special edition. Yeah. That's also why we're doing this podcast is so we can finally get there (laughs) because (laughs) our schedules are such that getting, you know, a lengthy podcast in a more regular clip, is not always feasible. So anyway, one other, there's a couple other things I wanted to hit, um, before we get to our main topic this week. And that is, uh, the Berserk deluxe edition came in for most people in the past week or two. And I kind of came, I made a big post about it finally able to weigh in on the kind of things I was looking for, which is what kind of paper do they use? What kind of ink do they use? Like, how does this actually look and feel compared to the standard volume look and feel? And it's kind of a mixed bag. Like, yes, it's large. It's leather. I don't really care about leather, but it's leather. The page size is very nice. That's the biggest perk of this whole thing is that seeing Berserk in a larger format is undeniably cool. It's just that because it's from Dark Horse, and they really put no effort into optimizing volumes one through three from where they used to be and their original scans of those, it was never a great experience to begin with. There were like uh, visual artifacts done in the scanning, some what I call, I called banding, but it's actually called a moire effect on the shading that were used. 
and it's just not it's not as great as it could be. Uh, but I kind of my, my recommendation on this is if you've never bought Dark Horse Volumes one through three, by all means jump in on this one because at least it's larger and you technically save a couple bucks by doing so. So that alone is fine. It's just my problem with the quote unquote deluxe edition is that in principle I feel like they should have gone the extra mile and made it a little prettier of an experience. If they're gonna bother to reprint this in a larger format, just take the extra step and rescan those things and, and, and pretty them up a little bit. That's my only real concern with it. Is there is this where I can start ranting about the fact they should have redone the translation and all that kind of stuff? On well, the- that's the thing is if they were going to rescan them, they would almost by necessity have to retranslate and because they'd be redoing all the bubbles, all the speech. To, you can't just bring that stuff over. Yeah, just, you know, don't underestimate how cheap they can be. <laughs> I guess they could technically scan it at the same resolution as the original and then slap on. I don't know how they would do that, but that sounds complicated. Um, yeah. But yeah, it would almost necessitate a retranslation. I don't think the translation is what holds this particular volume back. It's really the quality of the yeah. overall images that were brought in from the Japanese volumes. That's the real problem to me. I, I assume both are a problem, but I mean, I'm, I'm very nitpicky about these things, but never been very happy with uh, the Dark Horse translation to begin with. So yeah, I mean, there's a qual- paper quality, ink quality, the scanning quality you mentioned. And yeah, translation, I think that, that weighs in a lot, but yeah, we'll see. What's uh, too bad about this is that the issues you mentioned will not get fixed for a long time. No way. If they were going to get fixed, they would have gotten fixed ahead of this release. Yeah. As there's not going to be another one for yeah. a long time. That's the other part of this conversation is that Berserk fans, you know, myself included, Azil included, have been wanting an ultimate edition of Berserk for a long time. I want to call it decades. Like fucking forever. We've wanted something bigger and better than the standard volumes, which I love. I still refer to my standard volumes because they're quick, easy. Like I, I just, I, I would, I'm going to refer to those more than I am this deluxe one because the deluxe one is fucking huge. <laughs> um, anyway, my point is, we wanted something that kind of spoke to the quality of Berserk overall. And I feel like this moves the bar forward from the standard volumes in terms of size, page quality, ink, all that stuff is an enhancement. But it's not the perfect edition kind of I've been hoping for. And what that means is we probably won't be getting one of those (laughs) for the near future. I suppose it's possible that a Japanese uh, deluxe edition could happen in the near future. And they might nail all that stuff. Trouble being, not in English. So uh, that's a big bummer bummer that I don't expect a version two of these to come. I want to call it in the next few decades. It just wouldn't make business sense for them to slightly one-up this deluxe edition. I think a decade is, uh, say, 15 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, speaking in decades in terms of Berserk sounds big, but when you look at a timeline, it's never. It's not actually that much time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are no new Berserk releases, as probably everybody knows at this point. The next time we would actually get word of that is about today. Today's Friday the 5th. Uh, the, next, um, the first edition of Young Animal comes out a week from today. It's usually around now that we get extra early word of the next contents. I'm not holding my breath, guys. I'm also not necessarily checking every week, but something about April. I don't know. There's no sense in it. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> the last time we recorded a podcast, I've actually said, this is it, guys. Remember, I've counted the releases and the, the, all the, the, st- the signs say this is it. So, uh, yeah. Um, and here you we are. You can feel it in your, in your gut. Yeah. Well, that... 
which is also a good translation for um, over the past month or so, I've been revising the release schedule into something that was always just kind of a workhorse document. Uh, that is to say, it just had dates, it had episode numbers, and it had that's pretty much it, right? So I've released the, I'm calling it the Berserk Compendium, which sounds fancy, but really it's because it's a bunch of information, a bunch of different types of information in one place. It has all the English titles, all the Japanese titles of all the episodes, the release dates in Japan, the the issue of Young Animal or Animal House that was released in, along with milestones around each of those releases. For example, if there's a gap, I note that mm-hmm. Gaiganto Makie was published you know, for that interim period, for example. It also has the arcs and chapters and the volumes associated with each episode. It pretty much has everything you would want all in one place. And if you haven't seen it yet, I think that's actually in the new Explore tab of the forum under Episode Release Schedule. Um, so go check that out if you haven't already. I put a lot of work into it, and Azil also kind of double-checked my work. So uh, you can stand behind it for now. I'd like to ultimately get that shifted to something a little more user-friendly, um, a, little, a little prettier, I guess, is what I'm looking for. But it's it, it works for now, and it does what I want it to do. So um, check that out if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Which I suppose brings us to the big topic this week, which is uh, the future of Berserk. This came from a conversation Azil and I had uh, about a week ago or so when, as I was doing the release schedule... I expressed that I was getting a little bummed myself because my traditional, um, what's the word, stance on why there are breaks and how I feel about the breaks in Berserk's publication is generally like, listen, I'm here till the end. It doesn't matter what. And so I'm not going to get bummed out because I will eventually get to the ending of Berserk. And I'm happy with just that knowledge. If If it happens to take a week, if it happens to take six months, I mean, I'm not the guy writing the story. I have no uh, way of changing things. And so I just accept it as a matter of course that if I'm in it to win it, this is how it is. And I've generally accepted that over the past 20 years now that I've read the series. That's fine. As I was putting together this release schedule and just seeing the downward, the decline in the number of issues per year, it really does start to sink in how dire things are becoming just in terms of how long it's going to take him to get from where we are in the story to the very end. Like what's that? How do you quantify that? Is that what's the, what's a comfortable <laughs> range of years from a year to accomplish that body of work. And in the abstract, if you think about it without actually trying to map it out, it's like, yeah, sure. He'll get to it, which is generally where I've been. But if you really start thinking about it and Azil has thought about it, <laughs> if you start mapping it out, you do start to think like that's going to take like 10 more years. That's going to take like 15 more years. But how many episodes will be published in that time frame? You know, like I, I, who can say at this point because it's progressively with a few variances gone down over time. So mm-hmm. eventually I feel like Mir is going to have to lock in at a consistent rate. Otherwise, it's going to be 20 years from now. He'll be 75, which uh, or 72, I guess. I can't remember the exact age he is right now. 73. 73. He's, uh, Thank you. 53 right now. Going on 54. I've been talking a lot, but my my takeaway here is it's starting to get down to the wire in terms of, I mean, Berserk is his lifetime project. I'm not saying he's going to die. You notice I've not used that phrase yet. It's more a matter of like, how long will it actually take? And will Berserk come to a a satisfying conclusion at at basically at the pace that he always intended? Or is it going to have to be forcefully truncated into a more force, a quick conclusion? So that's where I'm kicking things off for now. Yeah, you know, the thing is, um, 
I feel like we, you know, who have been following the series for a long time, I've always been, you know, pretty laid back about these kind of things where, you know, like this time, you know, if if he wants to take time, if he needs to take more time to get the story going at a proper pace, uh, you know, while balancing his health and um, and making sure, you know, uh, he actually, like, the story has a quality that he wants it to have, uh, no problem. But uh, it's true that, you know, years have gone by, you know, like 15 years, and uh, it's starting to get to a point where, uh, you know, it, it's a matter of calculation, uh, which is now, you know, he only does uh, like one uh, episode per month instead of twice a month, uh, you know, assuming a regular schedule. And, um, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, it's a matter of uh, the story getting to a satisfying, you know, end. So it's not just ending. Is ending a story is not a, a big deal, you know. Berserk could end in like two volumes, but that would not be satisfying. So given the size of the story, uh, the time it took to reach to a point it is at right now, uh, you know, we can like it's not very complicated to, you know, get an idea of how many episodes we would need to, you know. Uh, fill in the rest, you know, get things going down and, you know, reach an end that would be good. And when you get to that number, which is, I would say, between 80 and 100 episodes, and you start, uh, you know, thinking about how many years it would take, well, you know, it will take a while, which is, you know, if you take 100 episodes, if he releases 10 episodes a year, which is not that not a lot. No, it's, 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 you know, that's still an upgrade over where we've been in yeah, the recent years. It, it, it would be, you know, a regular, you know, once a month thing mm-hmm. with two months of break, you know, uh, for 10 years. That, that would take 10 years. And it's like, you know, 10 years. Okay, fine. He would be 63. Fine. And if it's just five per year to get that number, yeah, it would be 73, which starts to get, you know, mm. I mean, a 70, obviously, you're not... You know, you can't produce, you know, you can't work as well as when you're, you know, uh, 40 or 30 or 50 or whatever. So, yeah, it's just a matter. We're starting to get the point, I guess, is just starting to get uh, to a point where, you know, like time starts to get, uh, you know, pressing. It right. starts to be a thing like, and, you know, Mira must be aware of that. And I feel like I've always thought that at some point he would have to kick back up the rhythm and keep a regular rhythm in order for things to move along and reach a, a you know satisfying end and i still feel like this is a must like if, it, if that does not happen then the story will have to be truncated so of course we will see you know what will happen but uh yeah you know it's it's something which uh like you said we've been thinking about so yeah yeah i wanted to um just pause for a moment to kind of go through it's everyone always talks about it but like what you and myself have been reading for quite a while like what is your explanation for the breaks the hiatuses so to so to speak because i you know there are many quote-unquote answers for that question uh the, the truth i always come back to is that there is no truth that you can you can basically rationalize it however you want because there is no authority on that. However, I think the one that makes the most sense, if you look at how things have progressed, I it always seemed to me that he was always going too fast in the 90s. And then as he got a little older, you know, maybe something happened behind the scenes with him where he realized, I am kind of burning myself out. And if I want to bring this thing to a proper conclusion, I need to actually pace myself. And so I have always said that the breaks have progressively gotten worse because he's trying to balance 
the quality of his actual life with the quality of his work. And I'm 100% on board with that. I totally get that, particularly as someone who has a job where you could easily burn yourself out if you really go for it. But at the end of the day, you got to kind of sit back and take a look at the big picture. What makes the most sense for me as a person and what I want to accomplish for my career? The problem with that, though, is that I'm all for the balance. But at some time, at some point, because of the reasons we just stated, the balance has to kick back over. It has to be more balanced. That is to say, the work actually does have to get accomplished. And at the pace that things are on, I don't know how that would happen within 15 years necessarily. So that's kind of where I'm at on on why it happens and what my rationalization of, of all that stuff is. Well, you know, so I agree with that. Um, my explanation for it has basically not changed in, you know, 15 years, which is, I'm not sure that's good or bad, but basically uh, – yeah, like you mentioned, he, he has worked, he has overworked for like a long, long time, you know, like he had 10 years in particular between, you know, uh, 1993 and 2003, where he worked basically all year long, all the time with, without taking any vacations. He had, you know, times where he did not take more than a day off at a time for, you know, three years in a row. So that's, that's insane, basically. It's not It's not even a full weekend. So that, I, I'm sure... And that shows in the release schedule. If you look at the compendium that I put together, like there are many years where he literally... I think he misses one issue a year yeah. at, at maximum for a couple of years, which is insane. Mm-hmm. That means every single issue of Young Animal minus one would have an issue of Berserk, which is, to me, that's <laughs> it's got to be unsustainable. And I know there are... Uh, what's the word? Shonen Jump authors that do that. Those series run for sometimes two to three years, sometimes. And yeah, they're burning themselves out for two or three years. Mir has been doing this for twenty years, close to thirty years now. So, yeah, what's that pace do to somebody? You know? Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's also not the same amount of artworks that goes into it, and just generally speaking, not the same quality, you know, to it. So there's also that, you know. And in short series, the thing with Berserk is that you know the story has gotten bigger and bigger and expanded and more complicated and Mira has had to tie it uh, into the rest and another thing I think plays a, a part is that you know if you look at where the series been at for a while uh, you know for many years now it's been at a point which is you know reaching a pivotal point which is where we're at now is Elfhelm Casca coming back and Falconia you know, as well finally in the seat in Falconia <laughs> Exactly. So it's, you know, like we've reached basically when the Millennium Falcon arc started, um, even before that, actually, you know, after uh, Guts went back to God's place and starting going for Casca. And yeah, I guess, you know, he goes on to that, you know, Femto is incarnated, uh, Guts, you know, gets Casca, he goes back, you know, they start to go to Hellfilm and then it becomes, you know, the Millennium Falcon arc, which is on one hand, you got Griffiths, you know, working to establish his empire. And on the other hand, you, you get uh, Guts uh, trying to, you know, at first secure a safe place for Casca and then restore her and, you know, meeting friends and stuff. And so all that stuff was building up to something. And we knew it was coming. It was on the horizon. So it was easy for us to guess, uh, as you guys know, because I've been guessing most of it for a long time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> no, oh, not so humble. But yeah, my point is, that was kind of easy to see coming, even though like the particulars of it weren't. So even for Mura, he had this thing, which was, you know, 
this goal. He's going to reach it. It's just a matter of how he reaches it. He can put in new stuff here and there. And, and, and that's what he did. And so we, we reached that part. And, you know, now what? Now how does it work? And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that's been probably burdening him for a long time. You know, at, um, at first, I remember when the break started a long time ago, people were assuming it was the artwork, the amount of art- artwork, because he had said that, you know, uh, drawing all the soldiers during the Britannist battle, you know, had taken a, a toll and he had to take like, uh, he took a few is- issues off, you know, like three publications, you know, there was no Berserk in it. And he was like, that was tough. And yeah, of course, the artwork, I mean, it's gotten progressively more detailed and, you know, uh, harder to do. And that's why the publications are now once a month and not, you know, uh, twice a month. But I feel like the main explanation, aside from his, you know, work-life balance, is that, yeah, he's at a point in the story where, you know, it's not so easy. How would Casca react to Gus? You know, how would she react to everything? How will the group, you know, uh, dynamics work? What beats must the story take? And basically all these threads that Mira, you know, started with the Apostles, with the God Hand, with the World, with the Moonlight, you know, Boy, everything, it all needs to be tied together in a way that makes sense, that is satisfying. And that's not so easy, you know? So I feel like that, that still plays a part, a mm-hmm. big, big part. And I mean, I, I trust in Mira to, to, to figure it out. And one of the reasons... I think, you know, explains all of that. I mean, not explained, but justifies that it's taking him so long is that when you look at all these giant stories, you know, big epic stuff, like, you know, the um, uh, Wheel of Time by, you know, Robert Jordan, or you look at the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Just go ahead and add Dune in that. Yeah. Well, Dune is a bit different, but yeah. All these big epic series, you know, even Gwyn Saga, whatever, all these things... They usually do not reach a satisfying right. end because, like the author, they always, you know, bite, you know, more than they can chew. Pretty much, it's like they make these big epic things and they reach the middle, and then they're like, "Oh fuck!" Oh, can I oh, add? Like, can I add the King Killer Chronicles to that as well? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's these guys come to a point where they cannot cash all the checks yeah. they've written, and that's like that's typical. It's, it's basically it's never been done. It's never been successfully done ever. So, yeah, Mura would have to be the first. And he not only has to write it down, he has to draw it as well, which is like double duty. So, so yeah, I, I feel like that's, you know, that's why. Because, you know, he, he's very good at this stuff, you know, like at retro writing things that work and that make perfect sense. While he did not, you know, he couldn't possibly have thought of them at, at first. But yeah, I mean, now he's at a point where it's really tough. And I feel like even, you know, as he, he aged, his sensibilities might have also evolved. And he wants to do new things, maybe more, how to say, more uh, ambitious things with the story and character developments, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I think that also explains it a bit. One thing I wanted to add to everything you just said was you were talking about the artwork possibly being a factor, at least in the delays, you know, around 2016, he very visibly switched to a more digital uh, composition style. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was always like, sure, he's evolving his art style. That's cool. And if anything, it'll have an enhanced effect on his uh, efficiency. 
because you can, you know, certain things you can do with digital, you certainly can do more efficiently than you could if it was just pencil and paper, or pen and paper. Rather. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's translated into a hastier <laughs> release schedule, um, it, it, no. it, at least in terms <laughs> of the number of issues that are released per year. It's really not changed. What it, it, it may have affected, or this is purely a business decision, is it's affected uh, the, the number of issues we get in, in, in sequence, which has been great. I'm not going to lay that at the fee of digital. I'm just saying that's the only change since 2015, 2016 uh, yeah, in terms of the releases. I think that's more of a business yeah. case thing. But yeah, what's interesting about the digital stuff is I feel like he's basically the last guy in the business uh, to have, you know, held out to traditional, you know, a pen and paper and, you know, before he moved. So I feel like he probably reached a point where he had no choice. And it made no sense to stick to, you know, pen and paper. He might have, you know, he probably would have preferred to, you know, finish drawing the series like that. But, you know, at some point you get to move on, get with the times. And that's what he did. But I wonder yeah, if it I was mean, like, Yahakasensha was like, yeah, we don't have scanners that large anymore. You need to just send us an attachment and email with your with your episodes because we're not going to have the newspaper guy, you know, <laughs> walk it over to our business office and scan each page anymore. Sorry, uh, he po- he probably had the scanner in his office. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, w- I would ex- I would expect, but and yeah, I know. I, I mean, scanners like that still exist, but yeah, I mean, at some point it becomes a thing of. You know, like maybe their tools are just, you know, all digital. Maybe they don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. And they probably, you know, the truth is they probably made an exception for him for a long time. And at some point, you know, mm-hmm. just couldn't do it anymore or something. In any case, he switched. And that's also something that takes time, you know, learning new tools. I mean, it's not – I can't – you can't expect for a guy that's 50 that uh, switching to digital is, you know, just, you know, a snap like that. It's not the yeah, case. Yeah, so. I mean, like, just the, the pressure – and I know that there are pressure-sensitive styles, as I know all about that stuff. But, like, that's still got to feel weird to him, just, like, the comfort yeah. level of that. And also just um, – I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, I can't imagine adapting to that would have been very easy. That being said, I do Mm -hmm. think it's gotten better over time. I've actually think it's gotten way less noticeable in the most recent issues that there was a digital shift, whereas episodes 244 to 246 or so, you could very visibly see that there were some, you know, digital techniques that were being used. Um, Yeah. It seems to have gotten better to me in the years since. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, that makes sense, of course. And, you know, like the art style has changed many times as well. So it's not, I mean, that's part of, a, of the life of a long series like that. It, it yeah, can't stay totally. the same. You know, when it's something that's been done over 30 years, it, it cannot, you cannot expect it to not change. You know, that's just not possible. So, um, so yeah. And of course, there's also side projects. I mean, you know, like, you know, he did read his Geek and Tomakia, which is, you know, a full size, you know, volume and and you know he helped with various stuff like the the, the anime series which is you know, i mean despite his help did not <laughs> reach a proper level of quality so the point is all these little things uh probably you know played a part in in the ready scale but i would say the the main ones are definitely to me in my opinion, because we do not know for sure, but yeah, work-life balance and, you know, the facts, uh, the story is at a point which is hard for him to deal with, to right. come up with, basically. It's just to come up with in a way that feels like satisfyingly, you know, high quality for his taste. And I feel like, you know, I mean, when you look at what we've gotten, 
uh, in the past few years, you know, people often talk about uh, filler, you know, for the series, long running series. They always talk about filler and stuff like that. Berserk does not have filler, you know, at all. So, and you know, when you look at you know the little you know sequence inside you know Casca's dream. Or what we got before with Rickert and Griffiths in, in Ritanis and the Bakiraka, or all these little things to me, all these little sequences are really amazing. I mean, they're, they're some of my favorites in the entire series, and they just came out, you know, just, just now, just recently. So I feel like, you know, there has been no, how to say, compromise yeah, being made totally on the quality agree. level. And in fact, there was something someone had brought up in a thread recently saying they were trying to link the hiatuses to milestones in the story like each hiatus correlates to some milestone in the story but like yeah you can map that out and probably make sense of the math but also if you look over the past three volumes worth of content there have been major milestones at every every turn anyway so like of course there you can link the hiatuses to milestones because the story itself has been getting is becoming more dense in terms of like the cool shit that's going down like there's cool shit every three or four issues now instead of scattered throughout one volume or something like that. So it's just a lot of stuff's popping off that's big and world changing. And uh, so well, of course the story feels that way. Yeah. And, and more is to come. That's the same too. Is I mean, it doesn't take an oracle to, to guess that more, more cool stuff is coming. Like the guy who says, Oh, I'm sure there's a long hiatus. So the next episode is going to be a mine, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, that was going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anybody can, can, can guess that. It's obvious. Um, I wanted to see if you wanted to go down the list that you kind of speculated about, about the, sure. the, to, the way you quantified. Yeah. No problem. So it's, or so. it's, it's a list I, I made up like in, uh, in two minutes, maybe five minutes, let's say. So it's not, meant to be, you know, like authoritative or anything. Yeah, it's, but it's not scientific, but it gives you an idea of how one could get to 85 to 100 episodes remaining because there mm-hmm. are a couple of things that need to be checked before uh, we can adequately close out the story. At least it appears that way. So, sorry, please continue. So, so yeah, the way I, I went for is not too few because, I, I you know, like we, we could consider a compressed version but not too few and not too many, which is like, I guess my ideal scenario would be 100 episodes more, but I wait for uh, 85. So the way it goes is there would be a, around 10 more episodes of Health Farm, which, you know, uh, might include an attack on Health Farm, for example, with, you know, uh, Grumbled and a bunch of apostles, you know, coming around through, uh, you know, a portal and attacking and, you know, Grumbled dying in the process. Uh, there would be five episodes of Falconia, uh, where we see their forces invading the land, a continuation of what we saw with the giant, and um, maybe some clarification on uh, their objectives and their final goal. Um, we would get around 20 episodes of Guts and the others uh, in Fantasia. So traveling around, maybe linking up with uh, Rickert and uh, the Bakiraka, doing some stuff. Basically, you know... They are coming back and making their way towards Falconia. So during that time, they might encounter uh, Irvine, for example, and fighting him, kill him. So that's that's a part of the story I was really looking forward to, honestly. And as as you go down this, I'm realizing it's going to get squeezed a little bit, at least to accommodate all the other events that have to happen. Yeah. 
which like I would have been comfortable with, I mean, quite honestly, you know, three to five volumes of misadventures throughout this new land of Fantasia. Same. It could have been, because also not only are we seeing, you know, Enoch village type stuff happening against magical creatures, which is very cool. You're also seeing the condition of human society as it is on the outskirts, if it even (laughs) exists or how it's changed, all that stuff. I was really looking forward to, and I wouldn't want to see it squeezed, but sorry, I'm just interjecting. No, 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 you're right. I mean, ideally, this would have been 30 to 40 episodes because it would be, you can see, yeah, human conditions with like, uh, you know, survivors scraping by. It might be the aftermath. So you see, you know, de- devastated villages and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, just a little, you know, a uh, little chapter of uh, them having an adventure like The Lost Children, for example, you know, yeah. something that's two or three volumes. But yeah, I condensed it to 20 episodes, including maybe an Apostle Encounter, uh, like a named Apostle Encounter, because... Well, that's gonna happen. That's the thing. Like you, you build these into your list, but at some point they have those. The main apostles have to be dealt with. I guess the question yeah. is, on what level of the stage are each of those apostles, and is it happening concurrently, or are they, do they each get their own little moment to shine? Um, and I don't, yeah. I don't know either. So, yeah. The way, so the way I, uh, you know, I, I make this up is that basically these were introduced. They had their little moments. Each of them, you know. They were, you know, they had the light shine on them for a while. So I cannot just see them dying into the background or something. They, they, they need to have their little, their little moment. So I don't know if it's going to be, I wouldn't expect it to be like a volume, you know, but it's going to be a couple, a few episodes, you know, where it's a fight and they get killed. So, so yeah, after this, I see, um, a few episodes here and there of uh, Falconia stuff. So that might be uh, intertwined in these uh, 20 episodes of Guts and Co. or whatever. But yeah, some we see some Falconia stuff in the meanwhile, in the meantime. So that might be, you know, uh, Griffith's objectives, you know, some stuff with Sonia and Mule and whatever and Raban. So that might be some, you know, uh, insight into what the Gold Hands, the other ones are doing, uh, that kind of stuff. Yep. And if we jumped to Guts and Zod, you know, their Hill and the Swords, Hill of Swords battle took, I think it was two episodes. Uh, for, so for our final encounter, I would expect that as a bare minimum, I would I would bet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let's just call it five. Yeah. <laughs> would be, that would <laughs> okay. be nice. So uh, after that, I also see about 10 episodes of Rickards of Bakiraka and maybe Guts and Co. Uh, fighting and killing Rakshas. So I said 10 episodes, that's not just the battle itself. It's, you know, the battle and, you know, whatever happens with them afterwards. It's, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, Riker, the Bakiraka, Daiba and everything are going to join forces with Guts eventually against the forces of Falconia. So that little stuff is included in that. Um, afterwards, uh, you know, I would, you know, put in around 10 episodes of... Uh, the heroes storming Falconia, which would lead to the death of Locus, among other things. Uh, like you said, about five episodes of uh, face-off between Guts and Zod, the final face-off. And then around 10 episodes for the final confrontation uh, between, you know, uh, Guts and Griffiths and maybe Casca and whatever, the boy, everything. And then a few epilo- episodes for an epilogue, you know, what happens after what, after the battle. 500 years later, life regrows on the earth or whatever, something well, like that. World spiral tree has to be dealt with at some point as well, which is probably part of the ultimate confrontation. Yeah. Indeed, so, yeah, yeah. And the, the thing is, as you know, we're, we're throwing numbers around 10, 25, but... 
you know what you know how long an episode feels at this point. If you've been following Berserks for three hundred and fifty so episodes, you know how what is what can be accomplished. What you've seen the range of possibilities accomplished in one episode. Just take for example, like Enoch Village. You know the trolls begin to storm Enoch. You know that occurs in a matter of like five minutes of span in the series, and then there are episodes like um, when you see Ganeshka's past. You know, his entire backstory is told in about four or five pages. So Mir is capable of very dense storytelling and very, you know, detail-oriented storytelling. That being said, you still know in general how long each of these would probably take, having seen similar encounters throughout the series. So I think it's a pretty safe estimate. If anything, I think these numbers are probably conservative or a little liberal in terms of how long they would take. Because I could see... Me or a chopping off, you know, 10 goes down to seven, five goes down to three, you know, or whatever it happens to be. But this to me establishes a good comfort level for what I would want to accomplish on these major milestones. Mm -hmm. Um, The final math for all that stuff that Azil just said adds up to about 85 episodes, which, um, how many volumes is that? I forgot if we'd said. It, 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 I guess it depends, right? <laughs> it's it's hard. Yeah, it depends, of course, because <laughs> the number of uh, episodes per volume is, uh, you know, fluctuating a lot these days. But it's around ten. It's around ten volumes. It might be a little less, a little more. But and I feel like, like yeah, as you said, I mean that's always conservative. It's a fan's, you know, view. So yeah. I'm sure Mira would say, oh. 85, I can do it in 60. You know? <laughs> Would we want him to do it in 60? I guess is the yeah, question, you know? And, and maybe that's uh, maybe that what, what that's what he's planning on, you know? So we, we will see. But yeah. uh, in any case, I feel like, yeah, we should expect our own 10 volumes more, and, you know, to get in order for it to, to, to make sense. Because if the story ends in like five volumes from now, it feels like, it's been rushed, you yeah. know. If 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 you know five minutes from now, you're like, well, the end, bye bye. It's like, oh, all that time we went to Earthum, and then in a snap, you know, it's already over. That, that doesn't make sense. You right. know, it feels like two thirds of the way, you know, across, and not, uh, you know, ninety percent uh, of the story. So yeah, a couple uh, bookend things as well to consider is that you know one would expect that God Hand Origins would ultimately be conveyed. I mean, if you're going to give us the backstory for someone like Rosine and the Count, then you would expect that um, the God Hand would also get the similar platform to display their origins. Not to mention Geyseric and Skull Knight and how all that will be conveyed, how long that will take to be conveyed. So yeah, there's a lot. There is a lot of check uh, boxes to check from now until the end of the series. So the thing about uh, the Skull Knight and the God Hand is, uh, you know, some people have always had an ex- you know how to say unrealistic expectations. Like I remember some people saying, "Oh, we need like a volume per you know member of wow. the God Hand." Per and member. I always, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know, that just doesn't make sense. I, I would expect at most. Like maybe one episode per yeah. member. Of the that would hand. that would and, I'd be that would be great. I mean, Ganishka Ganishka got four pages, and I thought it accomplished quite a bit. Yeah, so I expect the same kind of deal with them, and of course, yeah, obviously they they will. We will see more of them. They might they might fight. They might get killed. I I don't know. I can't, but. It can be worked in. That's the thing. Is like when you said ten episodes for the final confrontation. That you know, while Gus is fighting Griffiths, 
I don't know, maybe, you know, Serpico and Ishiro are fighting Ubik. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know that's ridiculous. But my point is, you know, like the others can be doing something else. Like maybe yeah. the Skullite would be fighting Void, you know. you know. Yeah. He, oh, he, he better fucking fight Void. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously he better do it. So, so yeah, all these things. And the same goes for uh, the Skullite's origin story. It might be told in just four pages. Like, oh, literally. Oh, oh, you're killing me here. You're killing yeah, me. Yeah, I know. I know, but four it pages, might be... Four pages plus one novel. You know, maybe three episodes for now. Really, yeah. three episodes for where we are now. We'll see Ged says, oh, yeah, you know, a thousand years ago. I remember, oh, for, for us, he just been like last week. Mm-hmm. I remember this young, strapping young guy, Geyseric, and, you know, we just, you know, put it in armor and whatever, and, you know, then it's, it's done. And, and, he'll, yeah. and, he'll, and, you know, he'll just be like, yeah, well, you know, what they say about me, actually, it didn't happen like that, and, you know, blah, 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 and I was betrayed, and, and done, you know, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, it could all, it, it's the thing. A lot of these things could be expedited. It's just the question is, what's the comfort level with fans of how long that stuff gets? Uh, I, I've never really felt wronged by Miura in terms of how he's told his story. I've never felt like, oh, I wish he could have spent five more episodes on that. I don't I don't, I don't really look at this series that way. Generally, the story that's presented to me is totally awesome. Like, so hmm. um, maybe maybe we're setting uh, milestones that he will surpass and we'll look back and say eight, eight episodes was too much. You know, he did it in three. Mm-hmm. It was great. That kind of thing. So this all could be for naught, but it's a little th- fun thought exercise as we start to look for the future and see how he's actually going to slot all these pieces together and how long it's going to take. Um, that's all I have time for now. Azil, do you have any final thoughts before we close it out for the session? No, no. I mean, like, I, I think people should not take these estimates too seriously. And it's just like more of a, like a mind exercise, you know, little, you know, uh, sort of experiments. But uh, yeah, the point is, you know, the current rate of uh, publication cannot last forever. That's that's a given. It it has to be, you know, accelerated at some point. Then again, last year we got some things that was decent. So I would expect, you know, to be maybe a little more patient, see what comes. And uh, yeah, I think we've got 10, 15 years more of Berserk and, you know, until we'll get to the end. That's what I've That's said it. every 10 years. When I started reading the series and it was around <laughs> 2000, I was like, it feels like 10 years because, you know, Griffith had just come back. I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be wrapped in 10 years. And then, you know, 10 years later was 2009, 2010. I'm like, yeah, 10 years, totally. Well, here we are, 2019. <laughs> uh, I think in 2003, I uh, speculated that the series would last around – uh, 50 volumes mm. i'm pretty sure so yeah well wasn't you far might, you, might, I, you might nail yeah, that i might i might just happen to be right yeah. i have to go dig it up and be like yeah anyway well, all right guys thanks for tuning in and uh look for episode 100 of this podcast in the coming week see ya The Skullcast is a production of Skullknight.net, a Berserk fan community. If you like what you heard, please visit patreon.com slash sknet. Donations there do not go towards the podcast, but instead toward our resident translator, Puela, who ensures that our members have access to high-quality, text-based translations of Berserk. Puela has also been translating interviews with Berserk's creator, Kentaro Miura. Many of these interviews have never been translated into English, so it's very exciting to read those. That kind of work simply wouldn't have happened without support from our donors. If you'd like to chip in a buck or two, please know that it all helps. 
Once again, that's patreon.com slash sknet. If you have a question or want to comment on the podcast, visit our forum, skullnet.net slash forum. Near the top, you'll see a section devoted to the podcast. There's always an active thread in there, so go ahead, leave a post, and someone's sure to respond quickly. Thanks for listening.